Welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm Jill Funky, Communications Manager at Sioux Nation Ag Center, and we are so glad you found us. Sit back and listen as our staff hosts welcome guests from all aspects of the livestock production industry. It's our mission at Sioux Nation to arm regional, small, and medium producers with all of the resources we can put in front of them. And now, on with the program. Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm today's host, Jill Funky, and joining me is Dr. Rhoda Burroughs, PhD. She is a professor, extension specialist of horticulture at South Dakota State University. We'll be talking about what garden plants and flowers we should start planting now so they are ready to transfer in the spring. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Rhoda. Good afternoon. It's getting to be that time to think about planting seeds. Well, it is. And I can tell you that because I've spent the last three to four months carefully planning out what I want to plant and where I want to plant it. And I'm so very excited that you could be with us and that I have the honor of talking with you today. So I'd like to start by asking just a general question, what garden crops are best started indoors? And then when should we plant each one of those? Um, A lot of our... our Warm season crops like tomatoes and peppers and and so forth do very well when they're started indoors so that they're ready to go as soon as it warms up outside and don't have to go through germination after it warms up. So things like cucurbits, I actually prefer to plant direct, but a lot of people will start those, but they take only a couple weeks, so we don't want to start those yet. But if you're starting onions in you generally will get the largest onions from transplants, and they take a long time to get going. So onions are one thing that it's time to plant now. Can you tell me what you advise for early plant nutrition in some of these indoor started plants? The seed will contain a fair amount of nutrition for the beginning plant, so uh, we don't put any fertilizer on until the plant is up and has a couple leaves on. And at that point, you can use just kind of a diluted houseplant fertilizer. I dilute it probably by half. There are soils that contain some fertilizer to help the plant get started, and you can use those. Those will run out after a few weeks, but they can be something to help you get started If you notice your plants are looking spindly and kind of yellowish, they probably didn't have enough fertilizer, so you can add a little bit more at that time. Good to know. And so I often do a lot of reading in preparation for my garden, and I in no way am an expert, and so I'm always learning. But, you know, I keep reading about things that we can add along the way, coffee browns, banana peels, things like that. Can you tell me how to use some of those they're basically household waste. Can you give me some examples on how we can use each of those things and what plants benefit from those items? Um, I recommend just putting all those in your compost. Uh, the nutrients from them will be released by microbes in the soil. And when we're starting transplants, we generally have a fairly clean environment, so there's not a lot of those bacteria that will be able to release the nutrients to the soil. So it's a better idea just to compost those and and then add them to the soil as they break down in the compost. Now, another thing that I look at is there's 
a wide variety of containers to use when you're starting indoor plants. Do you have a preference or is there a preference by by plant, by flower that we should keep in mind? What might work best for some of those strategies? Uh, some people like the little peat pellets that compressed and then you water them and they pop up. Those are good for small plants. They're not really good for larger plants, like if you're doing the cucumbers or even Tomatoes and peppers, I would use them more for things like basil or possibly petunias just to get started. You can use the pre-filled trays, and those are really convenient because you don't have to worry about getting the soil all over wherever it is you're potting those up. Peat pots, you know, the peat pot, and then you fill it with soil, are good for uh, plants that need a lot of root space that can easily get root bound and uh, things like again our cucurbits if if you don't plant them directly I'd put them in a peat pot because once those roots start to try to go outside of the container and get stopped it takes them a long time to get past that when we transplant so they'll kind of actually get set back some so the larger pot is good for that uh, if you're starting tomatoes and you're going to, and you want a fairly large plant before you're going outside, a peat pot can be good because it generally has a little bit more space to it. And so I'm sure you get asked constantly for advice, or I'm sure people have questions, or you even see people maybe making not the best choices. So, what advice do you frequently give? at this time of the year for people that are starting their garden plants indoors? You're going to need supplemental light. Even though our days are getting longer, there's still not quite enough light to get good ceiling growth from the window unless you're out in a greenhouse. So think about supplemental light. Now you can get LED lights that are specifically grow lights. I wouldn't spend a lot of money on those, but if you can get something that's fairly reasonable cost, Or if you have some shop lights, some old fluorescent shop lights, those cool white fluorescent lights were ideal for starting seed. So you can do something very low cost as well. What are some other factors that we should consider? Because you talked about light, but there's some other factors that we might need to consider that we haven't talked about. I've seen people grow in sort of these tents that have plastic around the outside And those are good for germination because it keeps the soil moist. But once the plants are up, we actually want better air movement through the transplants, both to combat any kind of fungal diseases that might get in, as well as to strengthen the stems. So even having a fan going across once the plants are up can help strengthen the stems or even believe it or not, just taking your arm and brushing across the top of the transplants several times a day, petting your plants can help. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. And I would think that the tinting would help with things like holding in maybe even the temperature, humidity, things like that initially. Yep. And plants will germinate much quicker if they have little heat on their bottoms. There are a few plants that don't like that, but most of them prefer maybe about 75 to 80 degrees on their roots, and they will germinate much quicker. But once those plants are up, 
you don't need that heat anymore. There is a trick to uh, keeping the stems stuck here too that's called, it's an inversion of temperature. So you turn on that heat at night so it's warmer at night and cooler during the day. And that will also result in a stockier plant. I will try that. And I think I need to incorporate more heat lamps as well because a lot of us may not keep the house that warm. And so you're right, that germination is just not going to happen as quickly if you can't get that temperature up. So very good. What would you recommend not starting indoors and why? Well, as as I mentioned, uh, I don't do the cucurbits, the pumpkins and, and squash because they come up pretty quick outdoors. The exception might be cucumbers, but even those I plant direct. And their their roots actually go down deeper, so they're more cold tolerant or drought tolerant if you direct seed them. People have actually transplanted sweet corn, not normally, but uh, it can give you a week or two uh, earlier corn if you're if you're really devoted <laughs> to it. So <laughs> you can you can transplant most things. But should you? Right, exactly. Depends on how much time and space and so forth that you have. <laughs> so then the other thing that I was thinking of, and off the top of your head, I always like to maybe try something new, something off the beaten path for, you know, a garden. Is there anything that comes to mind? Is there anything trending? What's a trendy plant right now that we could think (laughs) about, whether it would be indoors or a direct plant? I can't inform you too much on the ornamental side, although uh, more and more we're starting to look at what's native to support our native pollinators. And so something like an echinacea does very well. I've found out recently that most of the double flowers instead of single flower don't have pollen. And so you can plant them, but just be aware that they're not going to be helping too much in terms of that (laughs) native environment. (laughs) Sure. I, I guess I didn't know that. I learned so many things today. Thank you. There's so much to know, even by the time you're planting your garden, you know, what make good companions, what plants hate each other, who competes the most for the resources, all of that stuff. And so I get a lot of my information piece by piece here and there. But do you have a place where you could recommend someone like me who's who's not a beginner, but beginners would benefit, I would say, but who's not necessarily a beginner, but who's certainly not even close to being a master gardener. Is there some places, some some websites that we could get the resources to learn all of those things so that when you're like me and you're dreaming of that garden and where to put things and when to plant and planning everything out, is there a good resource for us to turn to? I've started a beginning gardeners how to grow XYZ on our website, extension website. So that's extension.sdstate.com. Dot edu, and then look at the yard and garden, and if you go down to the vegetable gardening, you'll see I've got about eight crops up there right now that gives you specifics about here's when, when to do it, how long it's going to take, here's how to know when it's ripe to harvest, <laughs> those sorts of things. That sounds like exactly what I need. When we finish this episode, the first thing I'm going to do... <laughs> Just get myself that information because I feel like practice helps, but I feel like we can always 
improve. And if you're going to put this much time into dreaming up your garden and planting your garden, um, taking those extra steps to read a few things that maybe you didn't realize can just help with an earlier or more bountiful harvest. We also have our master gardener training that is open right now for this year's class. So if anybody's interested in taking the master gardener training, it's primarily online. And then there is a day that you come in person to learn some things that that are harder to show you online. Is there a deadline to sign up for that or... I believe it's March 1st, but I don't have that firmly in mind, so okay. I'll have to double-check that. That's fine, and I'm sure it's on your website. Yep. Well, that's good to know, and one day in my life, I will uh, probably take that leap, <laughs> 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 and hopefully I can work with you. So, Dr. Rhoda, what else might you advise to our listening audience? Get your kids involved, because kids like to garden, and they garden, they end up eating the produce, and that's a good way to get them eating vegetables. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Rhoda, for, for coming to our show. So many of us are working at expanding gardens or just even getting started. So help from experts like you makes a farm-to-table goal, you know, much more achievable. And I'd like to thank our listeners. We'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate. 